It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's Diddy NFL on the Twitter box. And of course, follow the group at UK Packers. Well, hey, it's tradition now. Uh, week one, we got absolutely spankeronied by the Vikings, which is great. Uh, divisional game, which is even better. Um, rookie dropped that, that pass. Watson dropped the pass. So, you know, his career is obviously over. Um, <laughs> it, you know, this is the overreaction stuff and before we get into the thick of it and the the meat and bones of it like uh, let me just talk about another exciting development there's a couple coming uh, I've been working tirelessly and by tirelessly I mean I'm up to two every morning I say that laughing but I'm dying inside uh, to try organize meetups and other stuff collaborations with the Packers and stuff and there's one really big one that's coming soon but the latest one is that watch party number two is out. So it's in Bloomsbury Lanes. Uh, it's a ticketed event. All of the proceeds from the tickets go straight to the event. And uh, to give you, what do you get? So on the day you get, there's food served. Uh, you get a free drink coming in. You can bring kids. So the Hippodrome, the first watch party, which there are still a select number of tickets that have been returned. So if you're into the over 18 style stuff, uh, gives a shout because I do have some tickets to distribute there, which I'm sort of doing around about the house. But if you want to bring the kids and the wife or the husband or the cousin or the granny who's not interested or whatever, well, then the Bloomsbury Lane um, thing is is perfect for you because there's bowling alleys, there's karaoke, and there's you go in there's sort of a restauranty thing in it. It's the home of London's biggest pizza, if you will. And I saw a man before devour that entire thing, which was impressive and scary at the same time so the watch party number two is actually perfect right uh, the problem being is that it has to be ticketed so i went to bloomsbury lanes because we've had um with gridiron magazine we had our super bowl party there uh, for a couple of years um so i contacted him and said yo like you know can we do something you, you know me from this capacity whatever and i was told it was going to be 10 grand ten thousand pounds to rent it out and i was like okay uh how about something else though so what i've managed to do is is that it's it's a ticketed event so there's a capacity again of 200 people uh i went to try again could i get it for a fiver um again the only reason is that it's ticketed they can't have over 200 people it's a fire risk blah 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 right so i said look the other event i'm doing is five quid that goes to the venue it pays for the drink it helps them ticket it helps us cap the numbers and he says, no, I can't, we, we can't do that for that price and I need to put on security and stuff because it's, you know, the amount of stuff in this place, like it's bowling lanes and all this stuff. Um, so he said he needs to put on security. So then he quoted me seven quid. It was higher, um, but I got it to seven. Again, I will stress because every time without fail, someone, some casual will come at me and say, look at you charging in, you're fraud, you're looking to get money off the fans. I don't get anything for this, nothing at all. All of this goes to the venue. And the stress and heartache of doing it. Uh, that's why I regularly get people going, you should get paid for it. I don't. Um, so again, that's the second watch party. Kids are there. Get on that, right? Because the first one sold out in a day, a day and a half. There's only 200 tickets. There was about 400 people on the wait list. Um, so I still need to email those people to say, look, this is available. So if you're listening to this, uh, don't delay. Buy your ticket today. Uh, because there's nothing I can do once it's sold out. You know, it's not, I don't break up an extra ticket um, or whatever. It is what it is. Bloomsbury Lanes, at Bloomsbury Bowling Lanes, Bedford Way. It's about 10 minutes away from the Hippodrome. 
And there's something else really exciting coming to boat watch parties and also to the pep rally that's in Belushi's uh, on the Saturday. Again, I can't announce it yet because I'm still setting stuff up. But it's I think it's a coup um, to get this stuff because it's, it's nearly impossible to get on this side of the pond without paying out the bottom for it. But anyway, I digress. So... I'll release those details and I'll get out the newsletter. So if you want to be informed, do stay tuned to socials. Let's talk about week one and get an absolute spankeronies game to the Vikings. And I'm not going to try patronise people and tell you how to fan. And I'm also not going to say that it wasn't a disaster because it was horrible. It was terrible. It was shocking stuff to watch. Um, it was shocking for the obvious tropes and the obvious reasons out there. Number one, it's week one. We should be up for it. We weren't. Uh, the game plan should have been better. It wasn't. Uh, there's that trouble. It, look, it's very similar to last year in the sense that people queried because remember there was that picture going around of Aaron Rodgers smiling. How dare you not allowed to smile, Aaron? You're supposed to be pissy, man. So this is the thing: if he's annoyed and he's rolling his eyes, people say he's a diva. If he smiles, they're like, well, he shouldn't be allowed to smile either. So they want him to be passport photograph style on the pitch. You know, you're not allowed to do anything. So that's the way he was. It, with the Saints, they caught this picture of him smiling with Devontae Adams just sort of standing around or whatever. And they said, look, he's not taking it seriously. He's come to take the piss out of the organisation. He was late. He didn't want to come to training camp. They strong-armed him because he had no choice. And now he's going to sabotage the season. And he went on and ripped off a great performance. And he took massive umbrage to that conspiracy theory. Theory? Nonsense. I'm very Irish. So, this time around, they cut another picture of him smiling. I get no, no smile, Aaron. Um, and, you know, they're saying the, the same like this, you know, because there's, there's one of them, oh, there's a meme out there, oh, here he is rolling his eyes again, and here he is smiling again, he doesn't give a whatever, and is he too old, and he doesn't find open receivers, and what the hell's going on. Look, this game went pear-shaped for a bunch of reasons, um, and I will dispense said reasons on my analysis now, because, look, we're all on bated breath, but what I would say is that what is frustrating about this is, is, is that you can be, you know, you can be told that you can't do something, uh, you can be told that something is impossible. And it always seems that way until someone does it. So the exact same storyline about premier wide receiver and what are we going to do? You can't survive without a Devontae Adams. Tyreek Hill left the Chiefs. And, you know, you could look at Andy Reid and go, look at their record of success. Patrick Mahomes is a magic man. Look at their strength at tight end. And we weave Aaron Rodgers, who is first battle Hall of Famer, if you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly who he is and his accolades, right? Why can't the Packers put it together? And why can't Rodgers do this magical stuff that Mahomes is able to do? I heard a stat, and even saying it back just sounds bizarre. I think at the Chiefs game, they had 33 first downs. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And there without Tyreek Hill, and how would they survive? And you could point to the other wide receivers they have there, which... I would probably call you up on and you can point to Travis Kelsey which I'd say fair enough but if you look at Bobby Tanyan great set of hands uh, Randall Cobb great set of hands uh, Aaron Jones his yards per run is unbelievable he's a great pass catcher so is AJ Dillon and we'll talk a little bit more of the trophy stuff that's going on around that but looking at the cast of players and Aaron Rodgers and how he makes stuff happen you know you'd sort of look at it and go and we're going to talk about why that quite isn't the case but also why, if he went and did it with that cast of receivers that he has, which I think is massively possible, um, you'd look at it and go, well, of course, because it's Aaron Rodgers. The same thing that they say about Paddy Mahomes. Um, and then if you look at, you know, how did Devontae do? He tore it up. Tore it up in Las Vegas. Um, 
you know, but look, horses for courses. He's going to have his footwork. He breaks people's legs. But that doesn't mean just because Adams is gone. And the other thing that I saw as well was this sort of negligence on, on Gudekunst. I'm not wanting to be called a homer here for like always pulling for the organization, but surprise, surprise, um, you know, I'm doing this stuff till two in the morning every night, so I'm a fan. Uh, but what I would say is, is like Devontae Adams didn't want to be here, which somehow taints his legacy, I think. Because when I look at people like, um, and I don't mean that in a harsh way, I'll explain myself now, but when you look at Clay Matthews or, you know, Donald Driver, or some of these players, Jordy Nelson, you're like, they didn't want to go, and they were kind of turfed out to a degree, you know, Driver got old, Clay Matthews, something similar, uh, you know, the money they were asking, uh, Jordy Nelson, they lowballed him apparently with an offer, but there was a tinge of sadness when they left, so, you know, when you see someone, you know, like Micah Hyde, you know, like, that's, and Zadarius Smith now, all these players that went out and went on and did something after, or, left with a bad taste in the mouth and was kind of like, screw you, and had a had a playing career elsewhere. And Devontae Adams is kind of the same, I think, for me, because with doing the signed merch draws on Patreon, you know, I look for some of that old school stuff, and Devontae Adams' stuff has remained at the price it was, which is sky high. But I kind of wondered about that, because I was like, you know, not that he's bad talking to the organisation, and, you know, I, I'd love the guy forever, and he was a, a brilliant guy to have around Green Bay and an exceptional player, and I'm lucky I got to see him live and that we got to see him on our TV screens. I'm not saying he's tarnished his legacy by, you know, anything major, but just the fact that he went on and he didn't want to stay in Green Bay, which is his prerogative. But still, it doesn't hold that sort of weight of, I'd want a Devontae helmet, because I think he's going to go on and do great things. And to some people, to newer fans, Devontae Adams and Green Bay you know, it's going to be like Randy Moss with the Patriots or the Vikings. It depends on what area you come in at. Brett Favre, to some people, was the Vikings quarterback and that was it. He was with the Jets, you know, he was caught up in a scandal sending pictures of his Willie. I mean, to, you know, to other people, the, the sort of weight of that legacy in Green Bay uh, doesn't really come into it. But if we talk about exactly why it didn't pan out that way and why I feel like we don't really need to freak out just yet. Now, don't get me wrong, right? It's poor. Um, and it looked like, again, most of Matt LaFleur's losses come down to, there's really one common denominator, uh, but I won't go there yet. But part of it is that the team just aren't up for it. Now, week one is the best time to get this out of your system. It's never good to have a loss, especially a divisional loss um, against the Vikings, especially because the Bears won as well, which really puts us on the back foot. But I will remind you, it's, it's week one. It's one game. No, no season, no Super Bowl has ever been won in week one. Let's just put it that way. And we got spanked by the Saints last year. So it's not as if it hasn't happened before. But it's not good that the players aren't up for it. And that's certainly what it seemed like. Our O-line was a shambles. Uh, the defense. Now, I've said this again with tongue-in-cheek. That our defense are unbelievable that they're the number one ranked defense without even playing a snap together um, in the regular season. And that's exactly what happened. The hype that we were fed into. And I even said it on the last podcast, the preview podcast, which... Uh, a lot of people contacted. I couldn't get it to go to iTunes. I uploaded it. It was on the RSS feed. It went to Spotify. It went to SoundCloud. But I raised the ticket with iTunes. It just wouldn't appear. And I uploaded it multiple times to try to get it to work. And it wouldn't. So hopefully you're listening to this on iTunes. And the problem is fixed. But anyway. I said that on that podcast. Like, you know, we're all feeding into this hype of the defense are incredible. Uh, but it didn't play out that way. And it didn't play out that way up front. Uh, we didn't get the pressure that we expected. We didn't get that sort of Hall of Fame level play where we lit it up. What did we get? One sack. 
And then on the back end, there was communication issues. And then Justin Jefferson had the game of his career, literally. I don't mean that as in like, oh, he was, uh, he was mercurial. He actually had the game of his career. His yards after the catch led the NFL. And you just know it's going to be one of those performances where on all of the sports shows, they show just what a stellar performance a player had. And it's just going to be green and gold getting ran all over and catched all over, caught all over, uh, because that's the kind of thing that it was. But the thing is, is let's not discount the fact that we have some issues here. You know, like the obvious ones are the on the O-line. We saw that getting pushed around. Uh, you know, we've got Elton Jenkins is out. David Bakhtiari is out. Alan Lazard, and again, some people will scoff at this, but he's our de facto number one wide receiver. has got plenty of experience. And if you look back at, I've put highlights up on YouTube of this guy, but God damn it, he can play. You know, he finds his way open. Uh, he's got really reliable hands in my opinion and then we saw that on the flip side then when you have to depend on rookies which Rodgers isn't a fan of anyway first play of the game we all know what happens uh you know Peterson gets smoked by Watson now to take the silver lining from this Watson was able to do that to a very experienced DB he was able to get that whatever it was three or four yards of separation put himself in the position to score uh, a Don Hudson style first pass of his career goes for a touchdown goes down in the history books um, but again not meaning to be the body language expert here but it was almost like he'd given up on that play as soon as he as soon as it happened because this the sheer speed of when he drops the ball to when he puts his hands on his helmet was very defeatist to me and that's not a knock on the kid I think it, his upside is absolutely unbelievable but the one thing that's got leveled at Christian Watson in college and in camp is the drops and do I think he can iron it out absolutely because Devontae Adams was a drop machine uh, for his first couple of seasons so much so that I actually have receipts about uh, Packers fans you know on the interweb who were calling for his head and saying you know you, you deserve a job in McDonald's and all this type of stuff so you know, it happens to the best of them, but how many times did I rewatch the game and see Christian Watson absolutely smoke the DBs, rip the top off it, and the play just didn't go that way. So, along with injured players like Jenkins and D-back who are letting the line collapse and not giving Rodgers enough time, and the fact that it's week one and they're not in their rhythm, and uh, the fact that Rodgers came out and said that an awful lot of these things were mental mistakes, it comes down to distance. Now, I spoke about the, the book by Pat Kerwin, when it comes to the quarterback and what you need to do, like how far are you stepping back, how deep are your receivers, uh, you know, when it comes to play action, all this sort of the little intricacies that you need to to go through. When you don't have Alan Lazard out there, when you have him gelling with everybody else, when you have them not playing and getting that chemistry in preseason, when you're up against a Daniil Hunter, when you're up against a really peed off Zadaria Smith, it's different. It's not practice. So you're going to have rookies do rookie things and that's exactly what happened in this game. You know, we saw a drop or a bad route or two from Romeo Dubs, who people hyped up that it was gonna he was gonna get the first Packers touchdown. We saw that obvious blatant mistake by Watson, who he owned up to in the game. We saw the defense just systematically all over the place. And this doesn't come down so much to individual performance, although there's a question mark, I feel, over Eric Stokes. Um but you can't discount the fact that the other team are paid to play this game too. And Justin Jefferson is quite obviously one of the best wide receivers in the NFL today. Uh, his numbers are scandalous. He's selected at the top of fantasy leagues uh, throughout the world. This guy is a very, very good football player. 
And when you take a very, very good wide receiver and you put him in motion, it confuses things. And Jair Alexander was able to come out and say, look, some of this stuff wasn't scouted. We didn't know that they were going to do this type of thing. But we spoke about it in the pregame pod, that it was going to be loads of motion. They were going to bunch up the wide receivers. They were going to run Jefferson all around the place. That's exactly what they did. And the Packers defense really didn't adjust to the fact that there were all of this pre-snap motion, which is exactly what LaFleur does. And this is how he bamboozles people with motion and what he actually did during that Vikings game. Um, Because it's all about that pre-snap motion. It's disguising what you're in. And the Vikings, credit to them, did a very good job with that, with an absolutely out-of-this-world wide receiver. And when you put Preston Smith or Quay Walker on Justin Jefferson in the first half, um, you've messed up. And the defensive game plan and strategy is off. So now you've got your O-line is depleted and getting pushed around. You've got Lazard not out there. You've got the miscues and mistimings with Rodgers and his receivers. You've got the defense that's systematically set up to fail almost at the beginning, which lets the Vikings run away with it in the first half. And you'll notice that they fixed it up somewhat and they put Jair Alexander, the elephant in the room here, Jair Alexander, they put him on Jefferson Moore and lo and behold, uh, they start to get some purchase on that. Now, it's not a simple... I know, because you can't just say, right, Jair, you follow him around, because then you're playing the man concept. And I know you can do blends where you can say, you know, we put Jair, you can do zone and man at the same time and get say, Jair, you shadow him, everybody else stick to your whatever. But a defense isn't that simple. They feel confident they can play his own concept. They have faith in their players, as did everybody in the media. Uh, you know, Joe Barry's coming out and saying, you won't believe the pressure we're going to get up front. So you're expecting that pressure up front. You're expecting them to be able to you know, keep pace with them and pass them off properly in the in the backfield. But they the defensive players came out and said that their game plan was to nullify Justin Jefferson. And if that was the case, you failed miserably. And that's obvious. But it's just the fact that you didn't put your best player on him. You, you know, the players that you expected to be able to cover him didn't. And when you made those second half adjustments, it was too little too late. Now, you talk, now let's go over to the opposite side of the ball. You know, so we talked about Olin being depleted. We talked about Lazard not there. We talked about the rookies going to do rookie things, the chemistry. We talked the defense systematically let the place down. On offense, Aaron Jones, and this is the headlines today and yesterday, he gets eight touches. The guy's averaging nearly a first down every time he touches the ball. He's averaging nine point something yards uh, per carry. And you don't get him the ball more. And AJ Dillon had more touches than he did. You have to find a way like good football teams do, to use the personnel that you have to win the game. And again, that sounds like, oh, a football team needs to score more goals, and if they do that, well, then they win. Simples. But quite frankly put, if you need to keep going back to the same guy all the time, just keep doing it. If you need to run him all the time because he's getting purchased, just keep doing it. If they figure it out, go to plan B. But you have to be able to adjust. And the problem with the Packers is, and this happens in, look at all of LaFleur's, and there isn't many of them, but look at all of LaFleur's regular season or postseason losses. They usually have a common denominator. The Packers go down early. Uh, they abandon the run. They become one-dimensional. Aaron Rodgers gets frustrated and the game implodes. And the Vikings went up early. We stopped going to the run, which was very successful. Um, Aaron Rodgers starts rolling his eyes. The play action doesn't work now because they know well they're not going to run it because they're X amount of points down. So that doesn't help your rookie wideouts because now the game becomes that one-dimensional game where they just follow the wide receivers around. And it makes the game so much harder to do. And uh, no runs, 
no play action, no help for the rookie wideouts or any wideouts. You become one-dimensional, no bueno. So you, there's nothing you can do at that point. So the game starts to get away from you. And LaFleur, one criticism for him, and he is a fantastic coach. One criticism is, is that when he does go behind and stuff doesn't go to plan, uh, well, then it goes to ham in a handbasket. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, you're talking about deficiencies on the defense, who are not helping out the offense. The offense abandoned the run. There's no play action. Because remember, LaFleur's system is based off pre-snap motion. And it's also based off run first and then go to the pass. And if you can't set up the run, you're screwed. If you go and do all of this pre-snap motion, but you've already abandoned the run, well, then you know what's going to happen. It's going to be blocking assignments. It's going to be fake handoffs. And you're going to pass and don't bite the run. It's fine because they're, they're not going to do it anyway. If they did, we're screwed and they banked on it and it worked for the Vikes. And they played a fantastic game. I'll say it and I'll say it again. Kirk Cousins um, can be absolute pants and he has a ceiling for sure. But if you give him enough space, um, he will exploit you. And that's exactly what he did. And credit to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. There's nothing we can say. We played poorly. Um, we gave up all of these things that I'm saying, but also the Vikings had a good game. Now you look at parts of their offense and you look at, you know, the running backs and the yards per carry they got was pretty shoddy compared to what the Packers were doing on a stat line basis, but they dragged us uh, all over the field and they absolutely spanked us in their home stadium, a place that we don't have a lot of success. And I said it on the, on the pre, it's not I told you so, but it was one of the difficulties that I saw happening was, is that the stadium is just so unbelievably loud. And the, the horn is so unbelievably obnoxious is that it's going to be very hard to get your communication going. So if it starts going downhill, it'll go downhill fast. And that's exactly what happens. And of course, there's a massive overreaction there. And I, I get it. I understand the defense that was advertised one way turns out to be, you know, a Trojan horse. In this game, uh, the second half, it was, a, it was a game of two offs, mate. The second half was actually all right, by and large. You know, we were able to nullify stuff. And then also, you know, how much do you lean into that? Because you could look at the Viking side and say, look, they're so far ahead by that stage. They don't need to pull out all the fancy full stuff. They just need to keep it ticking over. And that's kind of what happened. And they walk away with the win. Happy days. Now, what I would say is there was a couple of occasions there where the Packers weren't out of it. Had that ball gone to Watson, had he hauled it in, went for a 75-yard touchdown, it's an immediate answer. It's a morale booster. And they keep with the run and, you know, it, the game is neck and neck the defense gets spurred on by that now how much of the game comes down to sheer motivation and will and everyone being happy and how much of it you know comes down to game plan and everything else it's a bit of a meld but it certainly helps that momentum swing a little bit and sort of puts them on notice and says you've done all that work you've got down the field you smoked us for that touchdown uh minnesota but one play it's all we need boom see ya it would have been fantastic great for watson great for rogers um, and then it all sort of starts to, you know, trip each other up as it goes along. But the Packers were still in it, to a degree. You know, there was the fourth and one stop where AJ Dillon gets stonewalled. There were still points left out there. If you look at the scoreline, it's not as bad as the Saints. And Rogers sort of quipped, it's not as bad because we scored four more points. You know, but if you look at that touchdown with Watson, if you if we get that with AJ Dillon, it's an extra 14 points and it's looking a bit more ropey and... You know, you start to pull out all the stops and all this kind of stuff. You know, and there's also an element of the defense getting better because they can pin their ears back. We're losing anyway. You know, so it's all of that blend. It's very hard to sift through it. But what I would say is it's not good, but it's not the end of it. It's week one. 
no season was ever won on week one, which is a riddle in itself. It's hard to say. So we know the bad. We can work on the bad. And it's going to be really bad if we lose to the Bears because they absolutely suck. And they won week one. Some wild games out there. I mean, look at the Broncos paying all that money uh, for Russell Wilson and, and then they get smoked by Geno Smith uh, for his old team. You know, it's there's weird stuff to go on all the time. And then, of course, it's contrasted by the old reliable, which is Paddy Mahomes coming out and doing the business, the Bills coming out and smoking the Rams, uh, you know, which isn't as expected, don't get me wrong, but it's just it's a team that was expected to do well, comes out and does well. The bookies' favourites, the Bills, number one, they come out and did the business. Uh, Patrick Mahomes come out and did the business. The Packers are up there. They're in that mix with their second favourite to win the Super Bowl. You know, they're up there with the books, and then they go out and lay an egg. And now they tumble down the power rankings and everybody freaks out. And it puts the spotlight like last year on Rogers not in it. And this year was we lost Avante. We're screwed now, you know. So it's that same narrative. Let's wait till week two or week three to see how this thing shapes up. Um, but the coaches at least came out and took the blame. The quote from Jair Alexander didn't really help morale, I don't think. And I get what he meant by it. You know, it's very hard to come out and speak your mind without sounding like you're throwing people under the bus but he was honest and said look that's not the way I wanted it that was the game plan and um, it sort of scares people who of an older generation you know those of us who are used to Dom Capers and you know all of the stuff that came out about you know that 2011 season and beyond and the defence when they started to make a turn and we ran an event with Devon House where he was talking about you know we brought up Dom Capers who had long moved on at that stage and um, well, I don't think even long moved on, but we asked him about the the guffaws uh, with that collapse of the Seahawks. And Devon House was quite honest about it. He said, look, you know, we didn't lost faith in capers. We did what we were told to do and, you know, didn't pan out. And that's exactly how you lose faith. So a question that I saw being asked out there was, is that is Joe Barry capable of making this defense perform when he has this amount of stacked superstars? And I don't see why not. I don't. I understand that there was parts of the season last season that were really ropey and there was certain stretches we looked abysmal. Absolutely. And there was that thing of Joe Barry's, you know, defences being called in by his past performance. But, you know, it is a team sport. And there are times where the defence bail the offence out and vice versa. And sometimes it was always the case that the offence would rack up so many points that the defence would just go fine. And we were the top scoring offence two years ago and you know you sort of think well maybe the defence got away with one in these occasions but it's chicken and egg stuff you can't have one without the other and to see even you know two portions of the game the first versus the second half um, and how much can you look into it how much can you look into the stats who knows uh, but let's not get too freaked out yet one of the lads actually joked he was like oh it was amazing you could only get like all single tickets for the Packers and after week one 600 tickets went up for sale they didn't but could it be believable? Maybe uh, because of that performance. Anyway, let's hope that they figure it all out and by week five swinging around when the Packers come to London um, that they're going to show them the business. Now, I gave away my own personal ticket to the game because I've elected to uh, do the watch party, which is the watch party one in the Hippodrome, which is 18s over and Bloomsbury Lanes, which has just got announced today, which is for families. And you can get the tickets, just go to our socials and you can pick them up. I'm going to update the website uh, in the wee hours of this morning to get those up in the description of what you can have there too. Um, so I gave away a ticket to the game and that's on patreon.com forward slash UK Packers. And I said this last week 
is that as the Patreon, as we get more, because again, I'm not doing this for money. I've been doing this for 10 years now and it's never about the money. I don't take a dime from me. Um, but the Patreon, so what I do is with the money that comes in and if the Patreon keeps getting more popular, I've started to ramp up the prizes. So I have a, a full-size Brett Favre helmet to give away and I've got some unbelievable merch uh, that's going to be shipped out this week. So I'll do a March unboxing and just show you. So the stuff gets more and more ludicrously expensive with the amount of people that come into Patreon. But one of the dreams that I have, and one of the dreams that I had, you know, a personal goal for the group was to be able to go over to Green Bay in the first place, to go to Lambeau. And I knocked that off the bucket list. But it was to be able to bring people over. And we're able to do that every single year. And this year, uh, we sold out. Last year, we sold out. So it's super popular. And it's such a good time to go over. Um, and my dream with the Patreon is, is to build it up to a level where... I can actually do an all-expenses-pay trip to bring someone with us on the annual trip. And my goal for that is next year. Uh, so there's so much to do to even be in a be even in the same area code to be able to afford that with the Patreon, to be able to do it. Uh, because, you know, the merch costs an unbelievable amount of money and then the fees that they take out of Patreon as well. Because you, you look at the numbers and go, oh, that seems like a lot, but they scalp you with the fees. So that's the dream. Um, so I'm hoping to build up the Patreon. So what do you get? I mean, you get the merch draw, Every single month, even if you win, you don't get excluded. Obviously, you can win every single week if you were lucky enough. And we have had that happen where someone will win two weeks in a row. Full size helmets, really expensive items as a first prize. There's three prizes that get randomly selected, and there's even a fourth prize. And that goes to a patron who hasn't has been a patron for a while and hasn't won yet. So you're guaranteed a prize, and I will get around to you, I promise. If you're a patron, I get around to everybody and send you some swag that I have here in the UK Packers podcast studio and YouTube studio. Not only that, but after three months, I take what you've given, and I literally take all of the money you've given into Patreon, and I uh, reach out to you, and I give send you a, a merch item, which is a press box polo or a property of tea, and I mean it, right? All of the money that you've given for those three months is spent on uh, Nuola to ship out your T-shirt. If you want to see the prizes and the prices, they're on the website so you can see that I'm not talking out my backside. Um, so again, you're kind of effectively getting three months of free March draws plus um, a, a clothing item. So that's something that I'm really passionate about to be able to offer to you guys. I don't want it to be seen as sort of a money-making venture because it really isn't. Um, and so at the end of it all, if I can get enough cash... Can you imagine being the person who gets drawn and it'll probably be done probably next May or June and what you're given is is the golden ticket. It's a ticket. It's a flight to go to Chicago. It's all transfers. It's the tailgate and all you can eat food. It's the Packers game ticket and just the, the group experience that everyone else is just it makes my eyes water to even think about actually winning that prize. On top of that, you're also able to draw to win full-size helmets. It's just mind-blowing. And that's the kind of stuff that I like to offer the fan group over here. Uh, Meetups every week in various locations. Super Bowl parties. The Packers are coming to London. I'm giving you free uh, London tickets. Uh, you know, I'm organizing these watch parties where I can't even go to the game myself. And hopefully you think that I'm doing a good job and that you can get behind what I'm doing here at UK Packers. But look... I leave it there. If you want to get in contact with me, it's at NFL at UK Packers on the socials. Let's keep the faith. I'll be back to do the quick snaps, quick snaps episode uh, to talk about the upcoming game with the Bears. And if you want to meet me, 
um, and hang out with a bunch of cheeseheads in London if you weren't lucky enough to get a ticket or win a ticket in the Patreon draw well then just go to all of our socials and you can get the Hippodrome uh, which you can get on the switch list for or you can buy a ticket outright for Bloomsbury and that is kid friendly so you get a free drink on entry security on the event to make sure we're all safe and everything's above board there's karaoke there's bowling lanes that have been closed off just for us we have the absolute run of the venue we have food we've London's biggest pizza and you, of course you get that free drink and the kids will get their free soft drink when they go in as well so I'm very excited to meet you all it's going to be an absolutely cracker of a time the two parties are 10 minutes away so I'll probably likely spend my time going back and forth between the two and I'm going to try bring some of that awesome swag and signed merch to do giveaways as well on the day so it's going to be an absolutely incredible time if you are going to the game go along to number eight bar in Tottenham that opens at nine and I've secured drinks and food deals where you can get a monster burger uh, and a meal for six quid you can get a pint for six quid usually they're much more than that I've heard they're up around eight or nine I think um so again, I think that's a really good deal and there'll be a sort of a dedicated UK Packers area there in number eight bar in Tottenham, just across from the stadium as well. And of course, when you come out of the game, if you're lucky enough to go, come back to the Hippodrome um, and we'll all just be hanging out there and it opens up to the public then. But anyway, that's all that's on offer and there's even more coming. There's a really exciting thing that I'm doing with the Packers Pro Shop. So it's uber official that I will hopefully announce in the next day or two. So do stay tuned to that. But I'll talk to you Thursday for quick snaps. Keep the faith. Go back, go.